Okay, everybody, let's take our Bibles, if you would, and turn to 1 Corinthians chapter number 11. 1 Corinthians chapter number 11. For those of you that have been kind of walking through the book of Nehemiah with us, we will get back there. Uh, but we've had some Sundays, and we will have a few others that just require uh, a few different texts. And so next, uh, next Sunday, we will get to Nehemiah 6, and then we have Vacation Bible School coming up the last weekend in this month. I want to encourage all of you to be a part of that, to be praying for Vacation Bible School and all of the children, uh, to invite families to come and to be a part of that. It's going to be a great time, and uh, we will preach the gospel. And and uh, ask the Lord to do work in folks' heart. Today, I felt like it was necessary, since we're about to take the Lord's Supper, just to walk down through um, a text here, 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 17 through 34. All I can do today is simply make a, a few broad points from this text. Let me just kind of uh, chart the way forward for us. So I promise you that uh, before the end of August, I will try my best to get as far through Nehemiah as we can, I can assure you that we will make it to chapter 8 because that's one of my favorite chapters in the Old Testament. And so uh, I will make it to Nehemiah 8. The uh, plan for the fall and the winter is that we'll turn our attention to the New Testament and uh, I will preach through the book of Philippians. So you'll want to make plans to be here for that as we do that. And then if you would, please be in prayer for 2017. Uh, we're going to, usually my, um, the way I operate is just to preach through a book of the Bible, but come 2017, I think what we want to do is take uh, the 53 Sundays in 2017 and preach on 53 uh, life-transforming texts in the Bible. So be assured they will all be expositional sermons coming directly out of the text. And, uh, but uh, I think there are these uh, very good life-transforming chapters of the Bible that all of us should know and, uh, and take to our hearts. So that's kind of where we're going in 2017. Looking forward uh, to all of that as well. And uh, let me just make a couple of announcements. We'll pray and look at this text. Let me remind you, this Sunday has just been a full, and we have a lot more to do, but isn't it wonderful to be in a service where we can have both ordinances in the same service where we're able to baptize somebody who has believed upon Jesus Christ as a picture of the death, burial, and resurrection, and then in the same service, God has given us the ordinance of the Lord's Supper to be able to honor His death and resurrection until He comes. And so, wonderful time today, wonderful to hear from our youth about camp and how the Lord has transformed them. Uh, this afternoon, around 2.30 down here in Kiwanis Park, we're going to take a jug of Gatorade down there and play some basketball in the heat of the day, so hopefully nobody will have a heat stroke. But uh, we're going to have a wonderful time just playing. If you would like to join us down there, yeah, that's uh, a man, woman, boy, or girl, you're more than welcome to come. Uh, I think the goal is just to have some fun, some community time together. And then if there are other people in the neighborhood that might be in that area, we want to invite them to come to Vacation Bible School. So that would be about 2.30. And then uh, those of you that have joined me for the book club, we will be meeting at 4.30 this afternoon to cover chapters 10 and 11 in the book. So let's get to this text today. Join me for a word of prayer that God may open this to us. Our Father, now we've had just so much packed into this service and we want to thank you for uh, Michael and his baptism. We want to thank you for the opportunity to observe the Lord's Supper. We want to thank you for our youth, Lord, and the work that you're doing in their life. And just as I listened to uh, Joel and Marie and the rest 
speak. I, I pray that not just for our youth, but for every believer that is in this room, that our lives would be more than talk. That we would live out the gospel truth. That we would be a part of the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. That we would live self-sacrificing lives that love each other and love you and love the world that is around us. Father, I pray now as we come to this text that you give me some special grace and some wisdom to be clear and to say exactly what it is that you want from your word. And we will thank you for it, for it's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Normally, I begin with an introduction and kind of end with a conclusion and throw some stories in there somewhere to keep you from falling asleep on me. Today I'm going to ask that you would look at your Bible and I'm just going to get right to the Word and uh, trust that you, uh, you've had enough coffee this morning to keep you away. I just want to make three major points from these sections. If you'll follow along with me, I think the Lord will make them for us. So 1 Corinthians chapter number 11 as we speak about the Lord's Supper, uh, verse number 17 to verse number 22, here is the very first point that we want to make. Honor each other. Honor each other within the life of the church. Now that may not have been where you would have started with the Lord's Supper, but that's where the text begins. For instance, you'll see that repeated again in verse number 17 where it says, because you come together. Verse number 18, for when you come together. Verse number 20, therefore when you meet together. And if you were to go down to a bookend all the way to verse 33 and verse 34, this entire section begins and ends with the idea of the body of Christ coming together. For in verse 33 it says, when you come together. And then again in the last verse of this chapter, uh, you will not come together for judgment. The very first thing that the Apostle Paul says is that when we are to observe the Lord's Supper and we come together as the community of God, His people, we must take a look around. We must look at each other, brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ, and we must be at one, we must be in unity, we must love each other, and there must be no divisions, there must be no selfishness, and there must be no snobbery in our lives. If you look at verse 17 to 22, let me make a couple of points to you. You see in verse number 17, he begins that section by saying, I do not praise you. You see that in your text? I do not praise you. Look at the end of that section in verse number 22. I will not praise you. For in fact, if you go back to verse number 17, he says, because when you come together, it is for the worse and not for the good. Is there any worse indictment upon God's people that when we gather on Sunday, somebody could say that when that church gathers, it's for the worse and not for the better? But I would tell you that in the life of this church, in the history of this church, there have been times where to meet together was worse rather than good. There have been times in the lives of almost every church I can possibly think of where for them to meet was worse rather than better. And if we ever become the kind of church ever where we have factions in our church, where we treat people in a wrong way, where we have divisions, where we uh, uh, don't get along and we harbor resentment and arrogance and meanness toward each other, then I would say it'd be better for you to go worship God on the riverbank than to come with His people here. We don't want it to be for the worse when we come together. What God wants is for all of us to take a look around and say, that's my brother, that's my sister. I will honor them and I will esteem them even greater than myself. I will serve and live for the Lord Jesus Christ, and I will love my brothers and sisters all the days of my life. Amen? Amen. 
That's what this text says. In just a moment, when we take the Lord's Supper, yes, we are going to look to the Lord, and yes, we're going to look inwardly, but we must look around. And I would say something to you today on the authority of the Scripture as your pastor. If you have resentment or anger or frustration toward any other member of this church, do not take the Lord's Supper until you've gotten up from your pew and you've gone and asked for forgiveness or given forgiveness. And you say, well, what would people think of me? I think the better question to be asked would, what would God think of you if you took unworthily of His Supper? Don't do it. This church will stand in this community. It will be a beacon of light. And we will continue to see growth. We will continue to mature. Our our children and our youth will stay in church once they've graduated if they see a bunch of adults that aren't perfect, but they're forgiven and they're loving each other appropriately. But if the kids of this church see that you're mean and arrogant and that your Christianity only uh, comes to church and it stops when you leave the doors and you bicker and argue and fight and talk bad about people, they will leave this church and they'll never come back again and you have nothing to say to them. We must look around at each other. Verse 17 to 22, honor each other. Look at what they weren't doing. In verse number 18, it says, there are divisions exist among you. Divisions. There ought not to be any divisions here. Ethnically, financially, socially. Rich or poor, black or white, big or small, we come together around Jesus Christ and that prevents divisions. Look what it says at the end of verse number 21. For you take your supper by yourself first, or each one takes his own supper first, and others go hungry. When this, when this early church was meeting, it was quite common for them to kind of have a dinner on the grounds and then do the Lord's Supper afterward. It was a potluck. And they didn't have a building like this. Everybody met in homes. And so usually the church would meet in the home of the richest person in the church because they probably had the largest house. And what was going on in this, the reason why it says some of them were getting drunk is because what was going on is the rich people didn't have to worry so much about working a job. So they would go to the potluck and they would bring all the food and they'd sit around and get drunk while all the poor people worked all the week and there was no national day off. And so they would come late to the supper and what would be happening here is all the rich people would meet in the living room and they would take all the poor people and shove them over in the annex. And if you don't think that kind of thing still goes on in churches today, just with a little bit of southern guys behind it, you're wrong. It happens all the time, but it's not going to happen here. Amen? Amen. I don't even know if I'm allowed to say come hell or high water. I don't mean to cuss, but what I'm saying is over my dead body, okay? We don't want to be those kind of people. Okay, honor each other. Honor each other. Divisions, selfishness. Lastly, you notice that he says there, um, you're making a mockery or you despise the church of God and you shame those who have nothing. Cultural snobbery. Cultural snobbery. Don't, Don't be that way. Love each other and be a part of the community. Let me make a second point for you today as we think about the Lord's Supper. We want to look around at each other. Secondly, we want to look up at Jesus Christ. 
Verse, um, verse 23, he says, For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus, in the night in which He was betrayed, He took the bread, and when He had given thanks, He broke it, and He said, This is My body which is for you. And notice the repetition here that's coming. Do this in remembrance of Me. In the same way, He took the cup, and after supper, saying, This is the cup of the new covenant in My blood. Do this as often as you drink it, drink it in remembrance of Me. You want to highlight that. That's why we know that verse 23 down through verse 26, the very fundamental thing here is for us to look to Jesus. We look around to each other in the Lord's Supper, and we look upward toward Jesus, and we remember what Jesus has done for us. What do we remember about Jesus? I would say that we remember the death of the Lord Jesus. And when you remember the death of the Lord Jesus, what it should remind you is just how awful we are. Yes, yes, my name is not Tony Robbins, nor is it any other self-motivational uh, you know, speaker. I don't want to tear you down, but I don't want you to leave here today thinking that you're something special. In fact, if you walk out of here today thinking, I am terrible, but Jesus is great, then you got the point of the message. I am a sinner and you are a sinner. You have come short of the glory of God. I have come short of the glory of God. The Bible says all of my righteousness is as filthy rags. We have all gone astray. We've all gone to His own way. But Jesus is good. And when you think of the bread in a moment and we take the body of Christ, I want you to remember that the reason why Jesus died is because we're bad people. Okay, let that sit in. Jesus, and, and in fact, I don't, know, don't, be, don't leave here today thinking, man, I want to be a good person. No. If you leave here today and you're a saved person, it's because you've come to the grips in your life that I'm a bad person. You say, what do you mean? The words of Jesus Himself, I came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. I rejoice that I am a deep sinner and that Jesus is a marvelous Savior. And you want to know how you'll love each other and have a better look around and live with your spouse and your family and your your work and all the rest of your life is if every day you wake up and you realize that the only goodness that is in me comes from Jesus Christ alone. Okay? Look to the death of Christ. It will remind you of our sinfulness. Look to the covenant of Christ. You see there, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. When Jesus died upon the cross, He fulfilled. He did not abolish the Old Testament law. He fulfilled the law. And what was kept outwardly, Jesus now writes upon our hearts what no man could ever do, which is keep the law. The law was never intended for you to keep it to try and earn salvation. But what you could not do, Christ did for us. Uh, Romans chapter 8, verse number 1 and 2. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. For what the law could not do, weak as it was, Christ did for us. By fulfilling the law. And He wrote it upon our hearts. And if you're in here today and you say, I'm trying and I'm trying and I'm trying and I still feel an emptiness, I still feel that I come short of the glory of God, turn to Jesus. See His death and resurrection for you. And know that you can be a part of that new covenant. You can have the blood of Jesus wash all of your sins away. My sin not in part, but the whole. Right as the song says, all of my sins, past and present and future, 
have been washed away by the new covenant blood of Jesus Christ. His death brings my forgiveness and my grace and my salvation. And the same goes for you today if you put your trust in Jesus. Not only the death and the new covenant, but His resurrection and His return. Look at the end, if you would, at verse number 26. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until He comes. Brothers and sisters, don't you see that there's a logical problem we have here? How in the world can someone come again if they are dead? What is it in the middle there that promises that He will return? None other than the resurrection. We proclaim His death until He comes. And the only reason why He can come again is because He got up out of the tomb. And Jesus is alive and well today, seated at the right hand of God, ready to pour out His salvation on any human being that will turn from their sins, put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ alone. Look to Jesus. Let me give you a last point here and we'll be finished and we'll take the Lord's Supper. Verse 27 down through verse 32. We want to look around. We want to honor each other. We want to look to heaven. We want to remember Jesus. And we want to look inside and examine ourselves. Look at what it says there. Therefore... Verse 27, Therefore, whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord uh, in an unworthy manner... All right. Some of your translations might say unworthily. Let me help you. The best translation to understand that is in an unworthy manner. Uh, when I, I was pastoring a church one time in Chattanooga years ago, and I had a dear brother way up in his 60s, and he would never take the Lord's Supper because he was reading a translation that said, uh, if you do this unworthily, and he said, I am unworthy, I can never be worthy, and therefore I cannot take the Lord's Supper. Well, here's what you need to understand. The most unworthy people are the only people that are acceptable to take the Lord's Supper today. Don't look to your own worthiness. Don't look to your own accomplishment. Look to Jesus. And you take the Lord's Supper today saying, not by my will, but by His. Not by my accomplishment, but by His. Not by my good works, but by His atoning work on the cross of Calvary. Because Jesus fulfilled the law, and because Jesus died for my sins, that alone makes me worthy. This text is not speaking about an internal worthiness of the creature Himself. It is speaking about the manner in which we take the Lord's Supper. And dear brother or sister, if you're here today and maybe your mind is counting, well, we don't have tiles on the ceiling, but maybe you're counting how many light bulbs are out or how many of these uh, slats are over here. Your mind is somewhere else and you're just waiting to get out of this service so you can go eat. And you, you in a perfunctory kind of way or a nonchalant kind of way, when, uh, when we start to take the Lord's Supper, you walk down, you get your bread, you get your drink, and you're not thinking about yourself. You're not interrogating and examining yourself and saying, Lord, I confess my sin. I look to you. If I have anything in my heart toward my brother or sister, I'll make it right. If that's not your attitude today, for heaven's sake, do not take this Lord's Supper. Why? Because the text here itself tells us that those who do this in an unworthy way, in some sense, drink damnation to themselves. Some of these people in Corinth were getting sick, they were getting ill, and in fact the Bible writer here always writes of saved people when they die as sleep to be kind. 
But if you, you, you don't, hey, listen, don't think that just because God doesn't mete out uh, judgment in exactly the same way as He did in the Old Testament, that some sort of, He's some sort of bearded old white man in heaven that's just snoring while you live life the way you want to. The Bible says, Be not deceived, God is not mocked, and whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. It might just be that if you take the Lord's Supper today in an unworthy manner where you're not focused on other people and focused on Christ and focused on making your heart right, you might die today. I know that's tough, but that's the text. I didn't say that it's there. What does it say? You shall be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord, but a man must examine Notice the repetition. All right, verse 28, a man must examine himself. Draw a little line down to verse number 31. But if we judged ourselves rightly, same connotation in these words, same idea here. What God wants you to do is not be some sort of navel gazer where you're looking at every problem and drudging up all of your history, but where you sit today as a believer, you ought to take just a second in your life and say, hey, whoa. It's time to stop for just a couple of minutes. And before I come up here and I take the bread and I take the drink and I go back and I take part in this beautiful celebration of the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ, how's my heart before God? Okay? Look within. Remember that the body and the blood of the Lord Jesus forgives and cleanses us from all unrighteousness. Just be reflective.